Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. Got another episode for you guys with Chris Weissong back in action with us. We're going to be talking about AB and Denzel Goods injuries, Mike Mayock's comments on Mo Hurst and PJ Hall, and what we like to look for in a good stadium. But first things first, Chris, Jose, how are we doing? Doing okay. A little okay. What's up, boys? How you doing, Matt, Jose? <laughs> good, Great how you doing? Raider football, man. Let's go. Welcome yeah. back, brother. Welcome back. No recent Madden games or anything? We, any beef we need to air out before we get going? No. Nothing? Now, when Madden Madden 20 comes out, Jose and I are gonna link up, and uh, we'll see if he can redeem himself. But until then, it's one nothing me, and uh, that's how it is. Oh, one nothing me. I challenged this guy again. He was like, "You know what, man? I knew it was a fluke. I don't want to play you again." So I was like, "You know what, Chris? I'm glad you acknowledge it at least." Yeah, that seems pretty accurate. Right? Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you. Yeah. That. See, it's, yeah. honesty is a good part of life, you know. Yeah. Right. See, for sure. <laughs> Anyone else that's listening, this is the benefit of you coming back a second time is instead of kissing your ass, Jose just talks shit to you. That's yeah. basically how it goes. Yeah, That's Welcome, the real Chris. That's the real Jose. All right, we got to move on. AB, we had a report, the report that he is uh, on the physically unable to perform list, not going to be part of the non-football injury list, excuse me. So it doesn't sound like it's terribly serious. Sounds like he'll be fine for week one. But until he does get back on, on the field, there are going to be a ton of reps that are open that he would normally be taking. So I'm curious to think, who do you guys think needs these reps more than anybody? Um, Man, uh, there's a, quite a bit of them. When you look at like Hunter Renfro, obviously he's kind of a guy that's going to be playing inside, getting some run with Ryan Grant. Um, you know, obviously they have their own competition, but I think it gives the Raiders a really good look at Keelan Doss, a guy that's, mm-hmm. you know, and he can play inside too, but he's a more of an outside guy, right? Um, he's got pretty good ball skills there. Uh, you know, so him and the battle he's probably having with Marcel Aitman, I think, you know, those two getting those reps. J.J. Nelson, too, another outside guy is a burner. Um, so I think Gruden and, uh, and you know, the whole offensive staff can get a really good look at those three guys who are more or less vying for one position when you look at Aitman and Doss and Nelson. I mean, I don't see them keeping two of those guys. Uh, it could happen, but mm-hmm. uh, they might be fighting for one spot, so them getting those reps obviously ab is established uh apparently they've known about this injury for a little while and uh it's super minor so i'm not concerned at all and, and it should be a good thing for those guys so they can get a, a better look at well actually um well before i turn this into a, a two-parter question yeah that's right on the money it's, you know he's out for one week it's totally not not a big deal who cares you know I, i'm probably surmising maybe this guy and i'm and speculating like oh he probably just you know, just maybe tweak something because he's literally been like working 24 <laughs> seven every single day. So, I mean, it's definitely not a big deal, whatever. One week of training camp when you're an elite player like him, who gives a crap? I mean, I saw, I saw our guy Mo Moten say like, well, it's, it's good. That you want him back ASAP. So the corners can start getting those real reps at an elite receiver. True. But on the other side of the, of the spectrum, it gives the other guys on the back end of the depth of the wide receivers, gives them more reps. So in this case, you know, Chris, Matt, who really are, is going to benefit the most? Who's one person we think needs to step up? Because we know A.B., Tyrell Williams, those are the ones. Who's going to, like, step up in that receiver group that we think is going to be the one that stands out? Because, like I said, those two locks, 
but where's where's the help gonna come from is someone gonna where where am i look where are we looking at here so i think when i was getting prepped for this i was i was thinking of it in two ways jose i kind of think there's two different answers to two different questions that you're posing here you know as far as yeah who needs these reps or who needs them to me it's ryan grant mm. he was a guy in 2017 that showed a lot of promise with 575 yards and four tds and at least personally, uh, you know, expectations were high for him. I thought he was going to do well in Indy with the increased role. And he failed to live up to those expectations. He didn't. He had uh, 334 yards and one touchdown despite starting three more games. And, you know, mm. when I've talked about it before on the pod where, you know, personally, I want to see the young guys take over at the receiving core. And camp was already, to me, crucial for Ryan Grant. And he absolutely needs to take advantage of A.B. being out whether that's getting more reps in the slot, which, where, which is where he saw a lot of success in 2017, or if that's outside, either way, his reps are going up and he's going to need to step up. You know, as far as who I actually think will step up, Chris, you touched on it a little bit. I'm going to go with Keelan Doss. It's going out on a little hmm. bit of a limb because he's the undrafted free agent and he played against lesser competition at UC Davis. So his stats should be hard, higher, yeah. but they are a little hard to argue against. and. You know, Renfro gets a lot of credit for being a chain mover. And we, we've all heard third and Renfro and whatnot. And he's a good player. <laughs> I don't mean to be knocking Hunter Renfro. I like him a lot, too. But I want to share this stat from PFF for you guys. Last year, Renfro had 30 first down catches, which ranked tied for 69th among 2019, uh, the 2019 draft class amongst all receivers. Doss had 66 first down catches. And that ranks second behind Andy Isabella in the draft class. Again, you got to take, take into account the level of competition. But let's be honest, like, at the end of the day, all he can do is play against the guy that's lined up against him. And I heard a lot of right. good things about Doss against stiffer competition for, in the Senior Bowl. And it's going to be an uphill battle, but it's one that I got a lot of confidence in and a lot of confidence in the hometown kid to win. I don't know, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, honestly, I mean, you bring up a really good point there. And, and for the Raiders, if Doss makes this roster and Hunter Renfro wins the battle against Ryan Grant and is a starter, has you know a decent lion's share there, that's a huge win for the Raiders. Because yeah. these yeah. guys are cost-controlled, cheap for four years, right? especially Doss, he was an undrafted yeah. free agent. You know, those guys, I mean, they definitely have a chance to make their mark on the roster. I just did a completely unnecessary premature roster projection, and I actually had Keelan Doss making the team as the sixth cool. wide receiver. I really like him. I can't believe he wasn't drafted. Uh, you know, I talked about in the piece, I was a local product. You know, you know, John Gruden appreciates guys that grew up in the Oakland area. And, uh, you know, he went to Alameda High School, went to UC Davis. Yep. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, like, opportunity, too, even though they went out and paid him big money, these are nice moments for Tyrell Williams, too, because he, he's not, like, benefiting. I know it's just camp, and they're not in pads, and that mm -hmm. benefits the offense, but they're not keying in on Antonio Brown. You know what I mean? He's uh, going – Tyrell, in this case, is going up against probably the best corner that's out there based on mm -hmm. whatever unit they have going up against the number one offense. And Tyrell Williams seemed to impress today, apparently connected with Carr multiple times downfield. And, uh, and then you got to look at Darren Waller, too, right? I mean, he's a guy that, you know, if AB's not on the field, Carr is going to be looking elsewhere. Probably a little bit more of an opportunity to for not only Tyrell Williams, but a guy like Darren Waller. Sounds like he uh, made the most of it today as well. So it's it's kind of a trickle-down effect when AB isn't on the field. And, uh, you know, as, as a group, they all got to step up. If there's a game when AB's not playing, <laughs> yeah. he's down. 
it's going to have to be a collective thing. There's just not just going to be one guy that's going to get it done. So, um, you know, it's good that they, uh, they're all getting those uh, looks today. Personally, I'm not ex- as excited as Renfro is. Oh, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a debit donor. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm not, I'm not penciling him in as big production, big impact immediately. Like some people are like hashing them out to be, I just don't really see it that way. I mean, um, you guys, Keelan Doss, I really can't say too much personally because I think that's the one receiver I'm still, I'm still like on a question mark of. Well, obviously, I didn't need to look as much. So the fact that you guys just said that makes me th- makes makes me look at him in a new lens because I, I respect the hell of your guys' analysis. And I just now I'm excited to see this guy what he can do. And mm-hmm. um and even if Renfro doesn't have that impact, and that's why they got Ryan Grant on that one year deal. They can allow it. They can allow him room. I personally see him maybe run for the last six games of the season or second half of the season. We'll, he'll start to really pick up, you know, rookie hazing and like not <laughs> necessarily, but you know, they're a little, 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 little wet behind the ears that he needs to hash out and dry him up. But um, back to you, what you were saying, Matt Doss. Um, that's a that stat. Wow, he can really move the third yeah. and Renfro. No, no, more like third and Doss. This guy <laughs> is gonna. This guy understands situation and awareness. I mean, how many times are we tired of seeing receivers getting thrown the ball way behind the six or in front of the six? Don't even make a first down. And I mean, I think it's worth noting with Doss is I don't have the exact number on the snap count breakdown, but at Davis, he was about 60-40 uh, outside and inside. So that versatility is going to be huge for him again. You know, he's he kind of, in a way, reminds me of a little bit of Tyrell Williams in He's a bigger body guy can run a little bit, um, not as fast as Tyrell, and can play in both and can be that new age slot receiver. Be an interesting guy to watch for, in camp for sure. All right, fellas, moving on to left guard. He's, uh, his last two weeks have not been very kind to us. We heard, got <laughs> word, of, word of incognito suspension. Two games, not the end of the world. Probably about par for the course. I mean... People make the jokes all the time, weed is four games and Incognito got two, but whatever. Two games, not too much of an impact on the Raiders. And then, what was it? The start of camp, so last week when this airs, we found out Denzel Goods had back surgery and is out for two months. And I think the obvious answer to this question is yes. Is left guard worse than we thought before? After that injury, Matt, I mean... (laughs) Denzel Goods out for a for a good month. Really. That's one guy who was a promising player last season and is not going to fill in there. So now you're relying on Lester Cotton and Jonathan Cooper, where they just picked up, who's pretty much felt like a journeyman at this point. Yeah, left guard uh, is not an ideal position right now, and it obviously it is right now worse than we thought. That whole left side now looks bad because Colton Miller, you would have hoped he would have benefited. I mean, I, I know we we already had him penciled in incognito suspended. But that left side is going to be very raw. You know, it's yep. going to be, you know, if you picture a wall, that's the weak point where the defense wants to put their battering ram at. So that week one against Denver Broncos, whew, Bradley Chubb or Von Miller, whoever they put on, is going to have a hell of a day. Um, Lester Cotton, Jonathan Cooper, who's going to step up? Is there someone else that the Raiders are going to bring in from someone, someone else's camp that gets cut? Or they want to del- dive in more to you know finally get someone in the pool to get there maybe so who knows but left guard that's man that's it's not looking so good right now matt chris yeah i mean you're right and when you look at the signing of cooper at the time i'm like okay it's just a veteran guy come in uh you know to uh compete with good as kind of that number one like backup guard right um and then you know kind of put him to elevate his game a little bit so those first two games good is uh you know in um position to where he can play well against uh-huh. you know, denver and then kansas city those first two weeks but 
Now we know that they brought in Jonathan Cooper because Good was injured, right? Yeah, so really now the it. signing makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, so I think he's probably the heavy favorite to be starting those first two weeks. You said a month. I actually saw that Good's probably out a couple months. So this oh, yeah, puts him months. in a situation where, yeah, I mean, you don't, uh, it, honestly, they could IR him, really. If his progress isn't yeah. that fantastic uh, when it comes to late August, early September, and they got to make those decisions, I, mean, I could see them IRing. Yeah, exactly, IRing him. Um, I don't know if he'd be designated to return or not uh, later on in the season. Um, so I think bringing in Jonathan Cooper, though, was a nice move. He has starting experience, right? I think, you know, relying on a uh, Lester Cotton, who's an undrafted free agent in that situation, you talk about Raw on the left side, then you would have had Colton and Cotton there. That would have been pretty hairy for a couple weeks. So I like the move for Cooper. Uh, you know, obviously, after two weeks, getting in, calling you back, and, you know, probably be like a sigh of relief. And it's nice that the first couple weeks are in Oakland and a tough break for Denzel Good. That, the fact that Denzel Good's, I mean, obviously, he's not that big name player at all, but how about throw him? His injury and AB's, I know it's not a big deal either, but AB is a big deal. How under wraps they're able to keep this information. I mean, just think back to the draft, guys, yeah. how they let the scouts go and everyone was giving them shit for, oh, you give throw out the scouts. That's unusual <laughs> to prevent leaks. And well, you just proved our point. And now look at now, it's, it's still good. No Whoever they have, the, the front office and the coaching staff, the, who they have together, how bonded it is, just is revealing to me. And it's like, that's a good sign because you. You know, I'm looking in here now uh, for the for the 49ers in my backyard. I mean, I know it's different. They just got rid of their last ones, and they're getting leaks about, you know, disruption and such. So, I mean, with the fact that the Raiders, that we didn't, we're barely hearing about this now. I mean, Jonathan Cooper, that definitely was a move because they knew Good's injury. That was weeks ago, wasn't it, guys? Yes. And A.B., come, I mean, you can't just tell me he just showed up and just like, oh, I, I can't play. They knew. They knew. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just that's pretty awesome that we're seeing that. So, um, Mac, uh, go ahead and with the left guard. I mean, it's definitely a comforti- comforting sign to know, know the leaks are out of the building because yeah. that's been a problem in the past. But, yeah, I mean, on left guard, you guys both touched on it. This is why Jonathan Cooper was signed. And now it's really up to him. Undrafted free agent Lesser Cotton, who we've talked about. But the other guy that I think has the golden opportunity at this point is now converted slash hybrid tackle Brandon Parker because mm. we heard heard about him after um, about I think it was minicamp that they were trying him at guard. Yeah. You know, and I look at yeah. I look at Cooper and he's basically become an NFL journeyman. This is his fifth team in four years. And the only team that has brought him back was was Arizona after his rookie year. And I mean they spent a first round pick on him. You don't just give up on a first round pick after one year. And, I mean, Lester Cotton fared well at Bama, and he only allowed one sack in his career. But at the end of the day, there's a reason the guy was an undrafted free agent, and it's a bit of a tall expectation or a high or a tall task to rely on someone as an undrafted free agent to start in year one. And to me, this is another perfect opportunity for a young guy in Brandon Parker to really get to rebrand himself as a guard and almost gets to hit the reset button and start over like last year almost didn't happen. I mean, he can easily Man. step in and fi- <laughs> refine himself at left guard. I think, yeah, I mean, I think Brandon Parker, to me, he's a tackle. I know that that's kind of been talked about, uh, you know, him moving inside here and there. But I think Brandon Parker's focus is to earn that swing tackle spot where if uh, Trent Brown or Cole Miller go down, David Sharp's right there as well competing with him. 
Gordon Debbie kind of slotted in to be the backup center. I could easily see him getting some at guard and maybe being that fill-in guy if they're not super impressed with Cooper. They're not feeling cotton, right? And they don't feel like he's ready or he's not going to be on the P3. So that is another option. I mean, it's not like Debbie just is only a center and has no capability to play left guard for a couple games for the Raiders. So he's another guy, too, that I think is in that mix. And I wouldn't be surprised to you know, see him uh, on the field those first couple of weeks if they need him. Yeah, he has the capability, but not the capability of really withstand, hold, with uh, holding his own. He was really bad last season. I mean, and I don't really see him really doing much better with, you know. Who are you uh, talking about right now, Brandon Parker? No, no, De- Jordan. Did, did Jordan Devy even play much last year? Uh, a little bit, I think so, from what I was reading from Pro Football Focus, how much they gave him. But, um, no, dude, I mean, same. No, I agree with you, Chris, about uh, Brandon Parker. There's no way he's going to. Oh, I want to say no way. He's more of a tackle, and if you really want to reinvent him, you're going to reinvent a product like him. It's going to – that's a lot of extra time now. You're pretty much saying, all right, last year was kind of a waste. Let's try to rehab him and turn him into something he's not. Um, but now, yeah, left, left guard, man, such a huge thing. Matt, they really should have drafted one now yeah. with the looks of it. But, I mean, it's, it, it's easy to say it yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Luckily – I'll just say this. Luckily, it's a guard position and not a tackle position. This is true. I mean, I know the game is now going a lot towards interior pressure, but I still think that that's not going to be, that's still not going to be a place that defenses are going to be want to fully key on as opposed to tackle positions. So how it goes from there is going to be really revealing of how we see just preseason, how these guys hold up. So that's that's what's really going to be a huge tester, how preseason, how these guys are going to hold up, because we already know like there's no really scheming amongst defensive lineman unless you're just telling them to stunt or just hitting certain gaps or just whatever in regards to debbie just to play it back i just looked up a stat real quick uh he played 134 snaps last year 102 of them at center um he allowed no sacks and one pressure in 81 pass blocking snaps so obviously that's not the run game but as far as pass blocking at least he should be able to fit the bill there for a couple games and pass protection in terms of protecting Derek Carr. So nice. That would be a veteran part too, as well. If the other guys caught and, and even the, the journeyman Cooper cannot get much in there. <laughs> right. And yeah. you, you know, you talk about Feliciano too. They apparently they like Debbie more than Feliciano, especially when you look at the price tag, they kind of kept him instead. Right. Cause Feliciano was the main backup center. And also he filled in at guard when they needed it. So, you know, the, the, at least Tom Cable and the staff is high on him. What, Take that. I just wonder why no one, why like none of these, none of the like, you know, Vic Tafer, we know we all respect as like very good inside perspective, why he never really mentioned him. It was just mainly Cotton and, um, good, I mean, not good, Cotton and Cooper. Uh, maybe because it's only two games because they don't have to worry so much. It's like, oh, it's just two yeah. games. I mean, really, both of those defenses don't necessarily have elite interior pass rushers. They're just known for their edge game, the Chiefs and right. the Broncos. So maybe in that case, maybe it's just like, all right, so. You know, I, I I'm not sure. Maybe it'll change. You know, obviously it's only been a day or two since that's happened. Anything can happen. Anything can change with, you know, training camp injuries and stuff. Absolutely. So, moving on to Mike Mayock's comments about PJ Hall and Mohurst. You know, the other day after I believe it was day one of camp, uh, it's not that important, but he said he's got to see a little bit more out of PJ Hall and Mohurst last year because he didn't see enough out of them. Now, Jose, when we had James on, you know, we were talking about, you know, potentially interior defensive line or the D tackles being a big strength of this defense and a large part of that was because of what we saw from Mo Hurst and from PJ Hall. So kinda wanna I'm curious a little bit. Wanna try and see if we can get in the mind of Mike Mayock right here and think what did we see enough 
or what do we need to see moving forward from both of those two? Honestly, I think it has to be the interior pass rush. I mean, obviously, the well, on the outside last year was the weakness, right? Um, you know, we had Arden Key and, uh, you know, Bruce Irvin for a little bit. And obviously, it just there wasn't a lot. But, um, you know, this year, I mean, there has to be a year one to year two jump. And a lot of times, rookies that are going to end up being pretty legitimate pros make a nice year two jump, right? Their play. Uh, is better. Um, they know how to prepare their bodies for the season. Um, you know, coming in NFL shape, there's obviously a, a difference. Uh, so um, I think that, you know, Hurst provided a decent amount of it to where I feel pretty optimistic about him taking that jump. It's PJ Hall. I know Hall struggled a little bit with, you know, consistent ankle injuries and stuff like that last year, but uh, he has to show that he can make an impact. And I think he, there's definitely a little bit of space there between, you know, uh, their belief that Hurst will do it because he just, he had four sacks last year, right? He led the Raiders in sacks. Yep. And then you look at, you know, Paul, there's just, I feel like he's a couple tiers down in terms of what he's shown so far. So, um, but definitely those two, I mean, if they were to come through and provide that push on the interior, those third down, you know, uh, situations, um, it certainly helped the edge guys out. We know that the edge group yeah. needs all the help that they can get. So uh, if it's going to be a strength, they can't just be Hankins and Jelly clogging up the middle yeah. on rundowns. It's going to have to be Hurst and Hall stepping up in those situations, providing the push, moving you know the quarterback off their spot. That has to be what we see from those two, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, Chris. You know, Hankins and Ellis are in there to stop the run. There are run-stuffing D-tackles. So that's a good point. You got to see a lot more of a lot more interior pressure from Hall and, and Hurst. You know, and I know Hall or Hurst uh, led the team in sacks, but one thing that did stand out to me a bit is he only registered 11 uh, pressures via PFF. And I mean, if if he's converting them to sacks, that's good. But I think more consistency from him is going to be a big deal, and more consistently getting to the quarterback and affecting the play outside of just the sacks. Hey, it's kind of funny, Matt. Uh... Last week when we had James on, how uh, when we were talking about strongest strongest position groups on the defense, and he was very adamant about the interior pressure, interior line. Mm -hmm. And he did have a fair point. There's a lot of hope there. And But when he mentioned Maurice Hurst, I was like, I'll give it to you. I like Mo Hurst, although I do. Of course, he needs to take that leap. Um, definitely approve upon himself, and then they'll be in a good spot. P.J. Hall, I didn't really see... Little to anything of last season, personally. Of course, as Chris alluded to, injuries, it's going to slow down anyone. You know, the overall quality of talent around didn't really, like, set him up. And it's not like he's a phenomenal talent where he needs, where he can just ball out on his own. He's going to need some cast, some coaching, and just his own development as well. Yeah. So this season, he's definitely going to need to take a leap. Out, Like I said, the jury's out on him hugely. Didn't see much from him last year. Um, hopefully he does this year. I don't really know. I I'm not going to really say what I think of him this year because I'm just going to wait and see until maybe preseason. Although then again, last preseason, first game against Detroit, he really balled out and even some yeah. other preseason games. So as much as like we really love preseason games for these rookies to get the their their feet wet, it's really for other other fringe players to make the roster as well as um, injury players to get back to speed. You know, preseason is like like it, it does help but it's not going to be like a huge litmus test or even anywhere close to it. So as much as it helps, like we you just can't get too excited, which once again, for two episodes in a row, I'm going to bring up Chris Warren, Matt, just how <laughs> when uh, James right. brought him up. And that's pretty much, I think how I 
Chris, why well, I think James tweeted that out or whoever tweeted that out. We we talked about that in the last episode between D Wash and uh Chris yeah. Warren. But yeah, it's just interior interior pressure, man. Mayock's on the money. I agree with them. There's we know cornerback and safety, the, the those are looking okay. And interior alignment, are those young players gonna develop? How's it looking, Chris? I mean, you bring up a good point about preseason, because last preseason PJ Hall looked really good. Really I mean, good. Uh, I believe he got a sack in his first snap, right? Yeah. Um, he was consistently providing that interior pressure. So even though like Hurst, uh, even though Hurst was drafted later, it kind of felt like Hurst was more the premier guy, and it kind of turned out to be that. Yep. But at that point during last preseason, I was like, dude, PJ Hall's probably going to make more of an impact this year than Hurst, right? That's kind of my thought process. Just shows like like uh, Jose <laughs> said. I mean, yeah. Preseason <laughs> is a whole different ball game than the regular season. Um, it's nice to see them making plays. Um, so uh, not just with the DT position, the running back fringe guys, the rookies, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to go in there, get the wrinkles out, and uh, try to perform under the lights and, and impress. Gruden, Gruden, Chris, I think already said he's going to work the hell out of – I think he's being a little exaggerated, but he was really going to let Jacob see a good portion of the field in preseason, which wow, I was like, all right, surprised. cool. I think I believe I said I seen that. Um, not saying, of course. I think he was exaggerating, but he really just wants to let him see. I think maybe he was talking about just overall as well. But that, that's the thing about preseason, man. We get too too hopeful, and maybe it's just because we've been such a shite franchise for a <laughs> long time that we just want to latch onto something to believe in. That we just really just hypnotize ourselves and thinking everything old when the reality it's not. You know, it's called not, the Lewis not... Rankin effect. That's <laughs> it's, it's not everything. So I'll go ahead and. Uh... I'll let Jose introduce our next topic since uh, he had a l- recent trip to Seattle and I think uh, was pretty pumped about it. Oh, man. Seattle, dude. Portland. Those are the two phenomenal, beautiful cities. I definitely I went to the T-Mobile Park to watch the Mariners play, and I definitely really wish I was there at CenturyLink Field to watch a Seahawks football game against whoever. It doesn't matter. But in terms of what I saw there, guys, it was it was a nice layout. Really good one. Very 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 beautiful what i did notice that really caught my eye that was one thing that bothered me was the parking situation in terms of the stadium there was hardly anything and of course there might be some off-site parking which is would sound right you know most places do that but how you tailgate over there i mean what i'm trying to get is, is when it came to the las vegas stadium for the raiders mark davis was very vocal very adamant passionate about he wanted tailgating that's why he doesn't open up mount davis at the coliseum he's complaining about an egress issue he just wants the tailgate experience to be optimal and top notch and obviously at the vegas stadium the parking situation is crap going to be hardly any tailgate it's going to be a 125th of what it is here in oakland but now that I'm like seeing more stadiums and hearing more as well, just looking at what it is from Seattle, that state tailgate looks crap. They have no problem selling out, getting a perfect fan experience, albeit it is their hometown. But I mean, tailgating now might be like might be starting to die nowadays. I mean, maybe some other stadiums have more because I can't attest to it, but being a tailgate experience, it's starting to become like I think an overrated, overhyped aspect. And when I did see around those stadiums where a lot of businesses and bars restaurants that everyone would go to before and after which is honestly a cool overall game day experience just as well as tailgating i mean of course it's like oh now i got you making me go spend more money i mean well if you're all chipping in for a tailgate you're already spending money ideally it would be more fun chilling in the car barbecuing with your homies and such 
you know, just like, you know, us three right now. Hey, let's go tailgate. That'd be dope. But I wouldn't mind us sitting at a bar just getting a nice, like, plate of wings with a beer, and then we go into the Raiders Stadium or not. So that's pretty much the thing where all it's going. And that's, once again, what I'm trying to get at is, like, it's such an overrated thing. I don't know how you guys feel about it, how our listeners and anyone else feels about it, is what's really matters to, what really matters to game day experiences now, because obviously the Raiders are pretty much washing that out. I don't know how much it's going to mean to the, all the Raider fans that are going over there. Well, like, what does it mean? Is it tailgating what you're looking for? Is it, I mean, obviously the, the game, of course the game, but what is it, like the atmosphere who you're sitting next to? Is it what they're selling, the food, the beer? I love tailgating, um, but I think it just kind of depends on where you're at, kind of what the atmosphere, wherever you're at, is known for. I think college football, the tailgating will continue to live on, but oh, yeah. if you look at professional sports, the new thing is to move and build stadiums downtown. Mm-hmm. And yep. when you're in downtown areas, it's really not feasible to have a giant parking lot. Nice See, down here, you know, or the way it used to be, it was a stadium, and you built a massive parking lot all around it. Now, that's not what they're doing at all. I mean, my dad is a huge Vikings fan. In 2016, we flew up there, and we went to check out their new stadium. There's no parking lot around. People were Ubering the games, taking the train into games. The train stopped right in front of the stadium. Hung out at the restaurants. They hung out downtown. And that is kind of the common theme. And then you look at Vegas, you know, people are probably going to be hanging out in casinos until an hour or two before the game. Then they're going to take the bridge over the freeway if they're going to build one or take an Uber to the game. And that's just kind of the new age NFL or just in professional sports in general. Um, You know, obviously it's a completely different dynamic, but you know, uh, you know, basketball arenas, same thing, right? Baseball yep. fields, they're building them downtown. Uh, you know, you, you enter some of these stadiums and, <clears throat> excuse me, stadiums and arenas through, like, malls, right? There's no, like, outside <laughs> getting in. That's kind of how it is. So um, I think it definitely is a new age. And also, you got to, as much as people from Vegas like to dismiss it, it's still damn hot in September. I mean, we're talking <laughs> yeah, like, yes. and you know, you obviously have the preseason games in August and even dipping into October. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be hanging out in 110 degrees in the parking lot. Where I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be in Mandalay Bay. I'm going to be playing <laughs> blackjack until about noon. And then I'm going to probably make my way to the stadium. And that's what I'm personally going to do. Now, if it's cooler <laughs> and they have a distant parking lot and I can pull off a little tailgate, that's cool. But until then... I think it's just the new age, as Jose was talking about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I agree that, you know, it, it's obviously becoming less and less important to when building a new stadium. You know, I, I live in Sacramento, and, you know, the, the Kings' new stadium is literally right in the middle of downtown, and there's a parking structure that I, I literally don't know anybody use, of anybody that uses. I think it's only season ticket holders and whatnot. But basically, like, there is, like, this trend of getting rid of tailgating. But I don't know. Personally... I love a good tailgate. I love just getting some nice, uh, nice cold bottles. I know we talked about with Cody. I'm, I'm, I'm the big 805 guy. Get some of the cold <laughs> ones and uh, get some going on the charcoal grill. So I, I am going to miss that a lot about the Coliseum because that was one of my favorite things of going. But, Jose, sure. so what you're talking about, you know, what, I, what makes the game for me is 100% the atmosphere. You know, winning and losing, yep. well, I can get the same effect um, if I watch the game on, on my couch on TV. But what makes going to the game so special and what I love going about the call to the Coliseum is how passionate this fan base is and how everyone's just fully invested. Like these are the, this is like a lot of people's lives. I mean, hell the three of us, uh, write and do podcasts about the Raiders. Chris does uh video breakdowns of the Raiders. Like this is our life. And it just being around so many people, you know, that's the biggest thing for a stadium being around so many people that were just so invested in the game 
And, you know, as far as building a stadium, that's not that's not something you can artificially create. It just kind of happens naturally. And that's the biggest thing with with Vegas is that that I hope they're able to maintain is that level of fandom that the Coliseum had where it was everyone's in silver black people. Opponents are afraid to go (laughs) to the Coliseum because they (laughs) because we're so passionate. Now, granted, we can probably do without the fights and all that good stuff. But, you know, that's the one of the, the biggest concerns about them moving to Vegas with me is if I'm an away fan and, you know, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll go to one away game this year and we have the Raiders at, in Vegas on the schedule. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. I'm going yeah. to Vegas. And that's the biggest thing is that I hope does not happen with Vegas. You know, hopefully Raider Nation and, Vegas and the Silver State will figure it out and get everyone out there and not sell their tickets and whatnot. Keep it silver and black in there. But that's one of the biggest, that's honestly the biggest concern, you know, as far as a stadium atmosphere that I have with that, with the move to Vegas is that it, it kind of becomes like that, like Cowboy Stadium when the Cowboy Stadium first opened is mm. every away fans going there and it's almost a, it's almost a road game at home. Right. That's you, 100%. Yeah, you make a good point. But I mean, uh, an example that would be similar maybe is New Orleans, right? People mm-hmm. on the East Coast, they love going to New Orleans, to Bourbon Street, but the Saints yeah. still have a great that's crowd, right. right? Their football team is really good. Right, yeah. the season ticket holders, they're they're going to hang on to their seats, right? Yeah. The team isn't good; they're going to have to sell them, and you're going to have more road teams coming in. But uh, let's not let's make no mistake about it. I have realistic expectations. The vibe is going to be different yeah, than it was sure. in the town, and you're not going to be able to just carry that into Las Vegas. Some of it, yes, the passionate fans, the ones from Northern California, uh, Southern California, all over the world that are going to come and and see the Raiders play, but it's not going to have the same vibe. But what I do hope is that we will create a different vibe that works for Vegas, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. That's... But we're not going to have the same, like, I know what you're talking about, man. I mean, I've been to Oakland <laughs> and walking through the parking lot, people got their smokers out, they're pounding yeah. beers, wearing the black Raider jerseys out there, got feeling the cool autumn wind. Like, it's going to be different. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? They needed a new stadium. It didn't Absolutely. happen there. So we're going to have to ride, roll with the punches. And yep. it's going to be different, but we got to accept it. And hopefully it's a good thing. So. I guess I'll just have to play Blackjack instead before the games. Uh, yeah. yeah, Matt, but right on the money, though. I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, atmosphere. I mean, where I sit, I sit like 10 or so rows behind Darth Vader in the stadium. And it's pretty much, you know, the opposite, opposite of the dark hole. So that's known as the dark side. I love that side. That section, man. Everyone around me, they're so cool and chill. We all get so belligerent, so hilarious. And <laughs> not too. I don't have too many like hot-headed idiots. There's some, and you just bear with it because it's game day. But like when things are going good, like dude, I'll, I'll I'll tell you, 2016 when the Raiders were doing good, man, that was easily such an amazing experience. Just when the Panther game, that was the peak. That's easy and awesome. maybe like the best game I ever went to in my life. Because it's just like everyone was so like together and just like some guy was crying damn near. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get that deep, but the fact that he says that deep <laughs> good to him. But that was like just so that, at that point I was realizing I was like, wow, dude, for the first time, this football team's actually good in my life. Well, they've been good in my <laughs> lifetime. At times I can actually cognitively like yeah. create memories and shit. So I mean, that was awesome. And how it works in Vegas, it's it's, it's not going to anywhere be the same because, number one, they're not going to play Bay music. They're not going to play Mac Dre, no Too <laughs> Short, no, no MC Hammer and shit. Vegas, you know, how, how they're going to handle that and create their own atmosphere. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a little bit more on the generic side for sure. And, of course, you still have L.A. fans like Chris and SoCal who are going to 
or not her her, her, her gonna like not care to drive what is it three hours chris yeah go, depending on traffic three and a half yeah, four like, hours, go to three hours but someone might even say fuck it and let's just leave at seven in the morning you know <laughs> or even six and get there early and just start hitting the sauce you know <laughs> so i mean that's that i i have a belief that it's gonna be felt to a degree but ah man it's gonna suck so yeah atmosphere definitely 100 percent tailgating of course i freaking love it I mean, uh, uh, Chris, I know you're saying Vegas. I don't want to tailgate 100 degree weather. Damn right, I don't either. Screw that. Um, but let's not. I, 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 let me tell you this: being in the Coliseum and going there all my life tailgating, it, it gets hot as hell there, dude. It's only like 75 degree ish, maybe 80 sometimes. But with that that sun there, even when you're not wearing black, I start wearing my white jerseys now <laughs> uh, for morning games, dude. I'm like, screw this. I make sure to wear every black jersey to night games. I'm like, cause you just, I just sweat my ass off. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, it's just hot out it's there. It's the so asphalt, man. man. The sun hits off <laughs> yeah, the yeah, asphalt. True, all the true. warm bodies, all the that's smokers true, going for sure. So yeah. 100 degrees in Vegas, it's probably gonna feel like 130 if at a party. Right? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So maybe I feel you, man. Ideally, throw water in Vegas on the floor. <laughs> Make sure you have like a hundred foot tent, <laughs> so you don't have like 250 plus cases of dehydration before the game. You know, otherwise you're gonna see a lot of empty seats. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That'll we be need true. a pool, man. We need a pool outside the stadium <laughs> with a swim-up bar. We <laughs> <don't> party <laughs> tailgate. <laughs> yeah. It's in Vegas, ambulance. Come on, man. Adapt. Yeah. Adapt Caesars, MGM. Who's gonna step up to the plate? We'll have the we'll have the Hooters waitresses. Mark Davis would love that. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Passing out PF Changs. Yeah. That was another great example, though, bringing up the Vikings. Like, oh, it's like, it's a little like town business ship. And I think that's why cities, like, when they want the ta- when they want the teams to build a stadium there, it's like, hell yeah. Because, like, like I told you guys before we started, you build businesses around so they bring income more. Yep. And even, and it's going to super surge on event days and it's still going to be flowing regardless so that's why a little bit it's like oakland why didn't you think of that you that stupid but anyways <laughs> that's 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 uh, we're done with that but yeah man even out here in uh, san francisco and matt knows the only stadium other than the coliseum that has that has proper parking and tailgating is levi's other than that i mean yeah. maybe just a football in the bay but um you can't tailgate at San Jose Sharks. You can't tailgate for the San Francisco Giants and the Golden State Warriors now. Those, especially right there by the water, dude, that's like a 10-minute drive from my house. Those are all like nothing but businesses, nothing but shallow-ass streets. You're going to have to take the train. You definitely can't Uber. You really have to train, to be honest. Take bar or Caltrain. And all those are businesses. Everyone just goes, hits the bar before. I know all my friends who are Giants fans, they love hitting this, like, one Latin bar, I think that makes like the ball margaritas across the street. <laughs> I forget what it's called, um, but they all hit it up before and after, and that's the thing. You know, it's, you just turn tailgating to your own thing, and then you just do that. So tailgating looks like it's it's definitely dead for Raiders after the season. Atmosphere is the best thing, and that's just the way it's how it's meant to unfold. I guess definitely be missed, but like you guys said, I'm optimistic that it'll it'll get better. It'll be different, but it is the Coliseum's <laughs> a dump. But it's our it really dump. is. But it's our dump. But yeah. it's our dump. I my own filth. It's That's awesome. why, dude. If anyone's listening and you haven't been there or it's been a long time, try to go this year, man. Because yeah, it's a different experience. Uh, that I, it's hard to really explain. I mean, I get chills thinking about it, and it's sad that it's done after this year. But you know, good run. Hopefully, it's I true. wish they had more playoff teams the last the second half of their uh, time in Oakland. But, um. You know, just try to go. That's all I would say. Yeah. See you Monday night, Chris. Yes, sir, man. <laughs> Get out there. All right, everybody. 
that's about all we got for this week. Chris, big thank you for hopping on. Where can the good people find you, my friend? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Wysong or also follow at uh, Raiders Beat. And you can check out my articles at RaidersBeat.com. Shout out Raiders Beat. Let's go. How about you, Jose? At JSants underscore 21, everyone. Let us know. And then you can find me on Twitter at MHolder95. Follow the pod if you haven't already at Sweetfly. We got training camp. Football's almost here. Preseason's around the corner. I don't know about you guys. I'm excited. I can't wait. Finally! Let's go. All right. Until next time. Hey, loves it.